Hello everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Bones and Apparitions. I feel super blessed to have finally brought this podcast to real life. It really is a dream come true for me. As soon as my first episode went up, I was immediately like, okay, what really interesting thing am I going to tell them about next week? It kind of feels like being back in school again, and I'm having to do research for one of my classes, except this is so much better, (laughs) because... These are the kind of topics I get super nerdy about. They really should have let me research true crime or hauntings in college, and I bet my English grade would have been a whole lot better. As promised, I'm going to be bringing you a story about a place that made National Geographic's list of the most haunted places in the United States. However, this story, in my opinion, also could be a true crime case. This week, I'm going to be talking about the Shanghai Tunnels in Portland, Oregon. And I would just like to apologize in advance. It is raining while I'm trying to film, so if you hear rain in the background, just know there's nothing I can do about it. In the late 1850s, in Portland, Oregon, a series of tunnels ran underground of what was then Portland's downtown Chinatown. These tunnels were built by Chinese workers during the time when Chinatown was the center for trade businesses. They were designed to transport goods from the cargo ships that docked at the Willamette River to the inner city businesses. This was also a way to avoid traffic and the busy streets above. Plus, most businesses stored their inventory in the underground basements, so then their goods were being delivered where they already needed to go. It is said that the tunnels were a secret to most of the people of Portland, but even if it wasn't a secret, they most certainly didn't know what was really happening in those tunnels. Even though Portland was a small town at the time, it was known for having a large port that could support large cargo ships. But let's backtrack though. During the time that the tunnels were operating, the gold rush was a very big deal and everyone wanted to head west and strike gold. Sailors seemed to have an issue with their crew jumping ship near San Francisco, either to abandon their contract or to try to find some gold or maybe even both. I've also found some sources that said some of the workers feared getting diseases and dying on the ship. I would say that it could have a lot to do with the fact that they worked for nothing, but I digress. However, because of this, when captains docked at their destination, which was Portland, they were short on crew members and had a very limited time to find new ones. You would be very hard pressed to find people who were willing to sail for months at a time and work for nothing. So these sailors had to resort to less than ethical means of finding crew members. The method they used are how the tunnels came to be known as the Shanghai Tunnels. This method entailed captains hiring men to Shanghai replacement sailors for just $50 a person. I guess then $50 was a lot of money, but it seems to me they were paying more for the person to be on the ship than they were going to actually pay them for their labor. The term Shanghaiing refers to the kidnapping of men to be forced into sailing as a crew member on these cargo ships. It's also important to note that Shanghaiing took place all over the west coast, but Portland was the only place to use the underground system. The men that were hired to find these men would oftentimes hide out in the bars and wait until their victim was drunk enough, and if they weren't getting drunk fast enough, they would slip drugs into their drinks to help them along. These bars or taverns oftentimes were equipped with trap doors 
that were set up on a counterweight system. The victim would pass out and the bartenders upstairs would sound a buzzer to the man down below and he would then pull a rope attached to the door and down the victim would fall. It all happened so fast nobody would even notice. Once at the bottom, they were then drug into holding cells. Before that though, they would remove the victim's shoes. It is said that the Shanghaiers would break glass and spread it all over the ground in the tunnels in case of an escape. Without the shoes, they would step on the glass, and if they made it out, they would be easy to find by following the blood trail. Once the ship was ready to leave, the victims would then be drugged again, only to wake up hours later on a ship. They were told they would receive food and water if they had put in a day's work on the ship. Basically, the options were work or die. Some of the victims would eventually find their way back to their families. However, it often took years for them to do so. It is said that as many as 2,000 men disappeared from Portland a year. But now, the victims were very rarely citizens of Portland. Most of them were cowboys, loggers, farmers, sheep herders, and even some were Chinese men. The prohibition began in 1920. Police were constantly raiding the bars and taverns, so then the tunnels were used for keeping alcohol hidden. But these aren't the only things that was going on in the tunnels, though. Prostitution rings used them to hold women for long periods of time, and gangsters used them to conduct their drug businesses. If you think about it, all those tunnels running under the ground is pretty much the ideal way for the gangsters to be able to distribute their drugs all throughout town and do it pretty much unnoticed. Eventually, though, the police found out about the goings-on in the tunnels and began conducting searches of them, which were often unsuccessful since they didn't know their way around and there was so much to search. Women were not excluded from the Shanghaiers. Once word had started traveling around about the Shanghaiing, men became a lot more cautious. So then, women too were snatched up and locked in holding cells with no light or source of air and then put on ships never to be seen again. They were then either sold to captains for whatever purpose they wanted them for, or sold to the prostitution rings. And when I say sold for whatever purpose they wanted them for, you can use your imagination. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Shanghai was said to have ended in 1941 when World War II broke out, although some believe it carried on after that. Since then, some of the tunnels have been filled in and Portland wants to pretend that it never even happened. So where does the paranormal fit into the Shanghai tunnels? See, I did bring us full circle here. I'm going to read a passage straight off the Portland Ghost website to fully detail the ghostly activity happening here. So here's this passage. It will come as no surprise to learn that the Shanghai tunnels are reportedly one of the most haunted places on the planet. 
Deep within the tunnels, travelers report feeling goosebumps, as if someone is watching them from the shadows. Many people report seeing an Asian man walking past them in the tunnels. Explorers named the spirit Sam and say that he is responsible for turning off the lights in barbed basements. Sam also likes to move things around in the tunnels as explorers walk by. One tour guide reported hearing a voice calling out the name Sam over and over again. It echoed through the tunnel and scared his guest. Because his entire group was behind him, he knew that it was not one of them. He says it was one of the scariest experiences of his life. Others report seeing quick movements of shadows and feeling ghostly fingers on their shoulders when no one else is around. Most tunnel tourists say that Sam is a good spirit and look forward to feeling his presence. Other tunnel spirits are known as tricksters who just love to have a good time. They will often pull at your shirt tail or gently tug at the ends of your hair. One ghost reported feeling a small tug on her shirt before she tripped. While most of the ghosts down in the Shanghai tunnels are reportedly friendly, it is still better to remain cautious. Some people recall feeling unwelcome like someone or something is watching them. One man remembers hearing childlike whistling just before he was thrown to the ground. source, visitors are warned that their cameras will malfunction in the tunnels. Once back up on street level, they find their cameras work again. Visitors often report their equipment's batteries drained. It's also been reported of feeling a hand placed on the backs of their necks, lights go on and off, doors open and shut, and footsteps and voices are heard. Um, Ghost Adventures actually visited the Shanghai Tunnels. If you want to watch that episode, it is Season 6, Episode 4. And one story highlighted on Ghost Adventures when they investigated the tunnels mentions a young boy's ghost. Joshua is believed to be a nine-year-old orphan who was hired to empty the chamber pots and buckets in the cells. People have seen his ghost and he sometimes holds the visitor's hands. Another ghost often seen connected to these tunnels is Nina. Um, so these tunnels are actually still open to the public, although a lot of the original tunnels are not open to be explored. I actually got a lot of my research from a YouTube video taken of Michael P. Jones' Shanghai Tunnel Tour. I would highly recommend you look that up because there is so much more information on there that I chose to leave out for the sake of length. I would also like to point out that during my research, I found that every source told a slightly different story than the last, so don't come for me if there was something wrong in the details because I tried my best. Everything told a different story. And then, of course... The people of Portland are trying to cover it up and say that this didn't even happen, so then you have some sources saying that it's not even real. However, I'm compelled 
to believe that this really happened. You are free to draw your own conclusions. So, I really hope you were able to learn something from this episode. I know I sure did. As I mentioned last week, I will be posting photos from this episode in the Facebook group, The Bones and Apparitions Podcast. And I also made an Instagram for those who choose not to use Facebook. I know a lot more people prefer Instagram. So you can also find it there the same way. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, my friends, stay creepy.